The views expressed on The Pickleball Show are not necessarily those of the USAPA. The Pickleball Show is the official podcast of the USAPA dedicated to growing the sport of pickleball around the country. Show your support and become a USAPA member today. Visit USAPA.org. From Bainbridge Island to the Villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Time out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. This is Gail Leach, author of The Art of Pickleball, and here's the host of The Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Live from the PBX Club Studios in Asheville, North Carolina, it's The Pickleball Show. I am your host, Chris Allen, joined today by District Ambassador from Portland, Maine, Linda Einsiedler. Linda, is that your official title or has it changed recently? Oh, you you are so smart, Chris. Um, it, I was uh, promoted to Assistant Regional Director of the Atlantic Region. Okay. First time they've tried out this position, um, and they're going to add that position to all of the other regions shortly. Based on your fine work, they're going to roll that out and uh, <laughs> <laughs> roll it out to all the other regions. Well, congratulations. That's great. And I know that everybody there is lucky to have you. You've got the Atlantic Regionals coming up, and you guys, according to Melissa McCurley, last week, you guys are just breaking records, attendance records left and right. I know. Can you believe that? I can. Yeah. Based on your hard work. Yeah. When is that coming up and is it too late to sign up? Right now it isn't. June 1st is the cutoff date. Some brackets are filling up quicker than usual. So when they fill up, we will be shutting them down. Um, I think that part of this is everyone wants to come to Portland, Maine in the summer and eat lobster and hang out at the beach play pickleball so it's becoming a destination for summertime so get in if you if you want to go up there this is your chance if you're listening to this podcast the week that it airs uh, and and this episode will air on memorial day you need to go ahead and and head over there right now head over to pickleballtournaments.com and sign up for that atlantic regionals coming up june 23rd linda i want you to help me uh, welcome two guests that we have today these people i've been wanting to get on the show for a while Uh, A lot of people refer to them and their family as the first family of pickleball. They are top players on the court and uh, great people to meet and talk with off the court, as well as uh, their two kids, Rachel and Joshua. Of course, I'm talking about Robert and Jody Elliott from the Villages, Florida. Robert and Jody, thank you for joining us today on the Pickleball Show. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. It's nice to be here. I had a great time meeting you guys down in Mobile, Alabama at the South Atlantic Regionals, and uh, I didn't get to play with Joshua, but I did get to play a warm-up game on Saturday with Rachel. Very, very polite when she would, uh, a couple of times I had my paddle down way too low, and she would just drill a little meteorite right into my chest. And uh, she was she was very apologetic afterwards, but uh, <laughs> it was a great re- a great reminder. Well, and not that she needed to apologize because I deserved it because I did have my paddle down. But it was a great reminder for the rest of the day to keep that paddle up. She is a lot of fun. She actually helps my son a lot with his block shots and how to duck. He can duck faster than anyone you can know, and uh, <laughs> the ball goes flying out. And he accredits that to his sister. She is learning a soft game but it's not as much fun well that's great too because it it can get rid of a 
lot of sibling rivalry, I guess. You can work out a lot of your aggressions out on the pickleball court. If you're brother and sister, you can go ahead and slam that ball at him. And then afterwards, you're, you know, you're getting along great after that for the rest of the evening. Well, I'm sure Josh likes being her partner rather than playing against her. So <laughs> that helps out there. Yeah, I can definitely see why after having played against her. Now, that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I love the videos that you've done on pickleballinstructions.com, and we'll link to that in the show notes. I know everybody probably knows you either you know, from your appearances in national tournaments or from the Engage line of pickleball paddles, but pickleball instructions and the, the clinics that you guys do are uh, really something, and they're, they're really informative videos. That's what I was wondering first, too, Robert. I wanted to see if you had any tips, because I, I, it seems like throughout the game, my paddle just gets a little bit lower, a little bit lower, uh, until pretty much it's down at my waist, you know, after a few minutes. Any tips for keeping that paddle up? Anything anything that I could use to work on to uh, make sure it doesn't gradually work its way down? Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is always staying engaged in the point. I always think the ball's coming to you. I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, if your partner's being played, you get kind of lackadaisical, and, you know, and, and that's real common with what you just noted about yourself with the paddle going along. But if you always think the ball's coming to you, you'll always be ready. That is exactly when it tends to happen. You start with each shot that isn't coming to you. It's just an inch lower, an inch lower until pretty much it's down. And then the one that does come to you, boom, it's in your chest. Right. And if you can keep your knees bent and stay on the ball to your feet, even if you don't hit the ball the whole entire point, at least you're ready. And it makes you feel like you're more involved in the point than if you're standing upright. Boy, it's a lot easier said than done, especially after playing for a couple of hours or so. You're like, ah, I'm not going to compress. I'm just going to stand. Here. Yeah, and some of the tournaments like nationals where you're playing four or five days long, it makes it really difficult. I'm figuring the older I get, like if I bend my knees, then I can't seem to get up again like I used to. So that's kind of a good thing. <laughs> so that the older I get, the better I will be at bending my knees and staying there. <laughs> I'll just stay down. I'll just stay hunched over. I figure by the time I'm 85, I'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite uh, videos that you've done is the one uh, where you talk about dinking and making the, the V shape with your paddle. And I know that um, I think uh, Deb Harrison, she used to talk about the elephant arms and having your paddle head pointed straight down. But I think maybe and she might have been the one that said, I've learned this from Robert Elliott, that you want to have your paddle cocked to where the skin on your wrist, there's a fold in your skin. And it just makes for a much cleaner hit, a kind of a more direct path going over the net. And she's actually changing the way she's recommending people dink and then changing the way she does it herself. Yeah, it's something that came from my, my tennis background. The biggest thing is all what you said there, but by keeping that paddle face above your wrist, that creates all of what you said there and the, the ability and changes the trajectory of the balls to ensure that, you know it goes over the net. So that's the biggest thing there. It's just that paddle face not having a drop under your it's either equal or it's above it and it's you know we see about a 20 30 percent improvement in people once they start doing that with their dinking you know if your paddle face is above your wrist no matter how strong you are the paddle's going to flex back a little bit and you can see it if you hold your paddle up that once it flexes it's still pointing up which means the trajectory of the ball is going to go up over the net as soon as you drop that paddle head underneath your wrist and if it flexes back a little bit you can see the trajectory is pointing at the bottom of the net so it's real hard to adjust, so you have to do something weird to get the ball over the net 
where it's just real natural whenever you keep it above your wrist. Sometimes I have to remind myself there really are no mistakes in any shot. You know, the ball is doing exactly what you told it to do. You gave it the instruction, you know, to go into the net. It wasn't the ball's fault. It wasn't the paddle's fault. They're all just doing what they're told. You know, one of the things we have is less is more. Keep your stroke simple. Try not to add all this extra movement in there because it's all muscle memorization. So the less your body has to do, the more it's going to remember it. We always teach people that you want to have your paddle face towards your target. So if you notice where your paddle face is, sometimes people have a follow through that is pointing actually out of bounds. And that's where, like you said, the ball goes exactly where you tell it to. Mm. So that's why we like to have your paddle face towards your target and always have a target. Don't just aimlessly hit somewhere over there. Really have a target in mind. I mean, it's like that with every sport, whether, you know, you're golfing or even a baseball player batting. He knows exactly where he's, you know, hitting the ball, left field, right field. Mm -hmm. He knows. And that's part of why we came up with all our shots. You're going to see that if you do watch those clinics where we, we have you freeze at the end for a second because if you freeze, that freezes your whole body. It makes that paddle face face the target. And whether you hit it early, later, on time, it goes where you want it to. Yeah, there's a great video you guys did called Move, Block, Freeze. Yeah, Robert and I came up with that when we were drilling. Um, before the paddle company, we would drill every day. Mm. Now we hope to get out there once a week. <laughs> when we came up with Move, Block, Freeze, um, actually, one of the videos, we were kind of wrapping it up at the end. And um, I'll have Robert can explain what Move, Block, Freeze is. Uh, but it's, it's to defend against the hard hitters. Go ahead. You tell them about the, the blooper one. That's funny. <laughs> so I, I wanted to put this on YouTube because it really is funny. So you're defending against the hard hitter, right? So we're closing that segment out, and it's my job off camera to feed him the balls so that he can say, move, hit the ball, block, hit the ball, and freeze. And, and I was so nervous, I fired this ball about 100 miles an hour at him and it ricochets <laughs> off his paddle hits the camera jolts the camera then the next one flies by him and then he's saying why why are you hitting so hard what's going on <laughs> this is so funny so we had to redo that little take uh, she left out the part when she hit the first one and, and it ricocheted off me she sees real close to me when it hit the camera it knocked it out of focus too which was made it even funnier <laughs> but tell him what move block freeze is it's really a neat concept. The whole idea is, is what Jody mentioned, what you mentioned, is how to defend against those hard hitters. Mm -hmm. And we keep it real simple. And the whole idea is to hit where you're strongest, where your body is strongest. Every sport, you have that ready position. You're on the balls of your feet. And staying in that position while you hit it and hitting the ball you know, close to your body, about 12 inches away from your body, give or take, is where you're the strongest. So you move. So you, when you hit the ball, it's within that close proximity of you where you're strong in that ready position. And your, the block is... Your focal point. Yeah, we call it the focal point. And then the block is all you want to do. When someone hits the ball hard, you want to block. You're not trying to wail the ball back at anybody. You just want to block. And so you can reset the point and stay in it. And that freezes, like what we mentioned before, that freezes your whole body. Not If you think about freezing your paddle, your whole body freezes. Psychologically, that happens. And so you're not popping up. You're not flicking your wrists. It just makes you nice and firm and strong so you can withstand that punishment that someone's about to unleash on you. And that's one of the things that I have just a bad habit of wanting to put just a little extra flick into the paddle. If I would just block it, 
it would be fine. But when I put that little flick in there, a little wrist flick or something, it's gone. Robert says, trust your paddle. You know, we love our paddles. They're great, but there are many other brands out there that are wonderful paddles, and they're all powerful enough that you don't need to add anything. So he always says, trust your paddle, trust your paddle. And I definitely trust my Engage Encore. Um, you guys have done a great job. The Encore, it, it's funny. I, I can just tell you how it got started. It's kind of interesting. I had uh, a paddle that I... I liked pretty well from a different manufacturer, and um, Robert said, That's a, it's a good paddle, but you're dinking high. So I was like, all right. I switched companies. I went to this other paddle. He said the same thing, and I said, well, hon, why don't you just make me a paddle? And so he did, but you know, we live down the street from a tennis court, so he says, all right, I got my first prototype, so we run all the way down the street to this tennis court, and we hit with it. One ball, we're like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> so we, we run all the way back home, right? So a couple of days later, he tweaks it and does this other stuff so we run all the way down to the tennis court that was just as bad so we got to the point after it took them six months we didn't even bother going to the tennis court we just did it played in our driveway (laughs) (laughs) but he did it he came up with something that a lot of people have enjoyed and you can tell them about the paddle that's originally how it started so it's, it's a lot of fun I've been thinking about um, playing around with the idea of maybe in singles or in outdoor heavy wind to maybe have a heavier paddle versus indoors and doubles when you when you need faster hands to have lighter a lighter paddle. What do you think? I've seen it with with um, some people. Uh, what it really is is where you feel most confident. If you feel more confident when you're indoors using you know a lighter paddle, be more nimble, and a heavier paddle outside, then that's fine because really the right paddle is the paddle that you feel the most confident with and that you play the best with. That's the right choice. It was funny because a girl asked me the other day, she said, I don't really know like how you evaluate paddles. And I said, to me, it's kind of like driving a car. And, and I told her she may be too young to know about driving a stick shift. Um, but to me, I, I look at a paddle where it's kind of like, does it have a first gear, a second gear, a third gear, and a fourth gear? First is up at the line dinking. That's you know where you need that control and everything. Second gear is uh, you know just back in the, in the middle of the court. Third gear is back at the baseline. And then fourth gear is overhead smashes. I like that. And that's funny you said that. That's what the Encore was designed for. And we, we call it ProPro technology. We designed it to be the right paddle, independent of the shot that you want to make, whether you want to hit hard or soft. You know, it has the highest deflection, so you have the power. It hits the max on the surface roughness by the USDAPA also. And then what we did was the first paddle to really be developed with the core and the skin to act as one. How it handles itself, it also has that soft feel. So you have the, the soft touch you need at the net. So you got the soft game, the hard game, and the surface roughness to have that little what you want to do to the ball. You mentioned that the uh, the skin, it, it does go right up to the maximum roughness that a paddle can yeah. be, according to the USAPA. Because of that, you know, people like it because it imparts more spin. What's your rule? When should you use spin and when should you not? Spin should be used uh, mostly, I would think, more for advanced players. So how we teach it is, you know, the lower... Lower players should really learn the basics of ball placement and none of the trick shots or anything like that. They can learn the high probability and, and the way to play. And as you develop your game, you can definitely get into the spin. There's a difference when you play social play and if you're playing in a tournament. If you're playing in a tournament, 
um, I wouldn't do or he wouldn't do a shot that you can't make nine out of ten times. He plays a very high percentage game. Mm-hmm. So if your spin shot's not on or, you know, you can't get it nine out of ten times, he wouldn't use it. But that's not to say he wouldn't practice it in social play and, you know, in trying that shot. Right. And I think usually you would probably use a spin shot when he's in position, not when you're lunging or you're out of position, because those are the times you want to just get the ball back. Mm-hmm. It's when you're you're set up, and that's when you can do what you want with the ball. Definitely. So many times you see people, they're out of position, or the opponent hits a really, really good shot at them, and they try to do a winner back, or like somebody <laughs> says some kind, of, some kind of spin or turkey shot when they should just be getting the ball back in place. And Robert says if you want to get better and improve, you really should drill more than you play. Everybody plays socially, and everyone, you know, you think you're there to practice, and but everybody seems to be there to win so yeah. you don't really get to practice those shots you should practice you know you can either let your partner know you know say hey i know this is social i know you want to win but i'm, I'm practicing a shot if you don't want to do that i would just drill that way you get to do that shot a hundred times and it doesn't matter if it goes in or out you're just there to drill whatever that is that you're learning and then lock in that muscle memory like you talked about earlier yeah and you know you don't have to have a, a paddle and a net or even be on a court to practice some of this stuff. Sometimes in my bedroom, I just have myself and I'm going from low to high over my shoulder. You know, I'm practicing my knee bend, um, paddle out front. You know, my roll shot straight up. There's no wrist involved at all. So you can strengthen your wrist when you're sitting at a red light in your car. There's all things you can do when you're off the court as well. And yeah, they really do make a difference when it's time to get out on that court and actually play. Well, you guys are so great to talk with. You have also uh, kindly agreed to join us again next week because I've got so many other things I want to ask you about. I want you to explain the big misconception behind No Man's Land and also We have some listener questions I want to run by you, get your take on those. And until then, head over to pickleballinstructions.com and engagepickleball.com to learn more from Robert and Jody Elliott. Talk to you next week. Okay. Well, thank you for having us. And Linda Einsiedler will talk to you next week, too. Okay, Chris. So what are your thoughts about what we discussed today? You can email us anytime, mail at pickleballshow.com. A question, a comment, a uh, show topic suggestion, whatever you want. We'd love to hear from you. Also, have you picked up your copy of the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches? Coach Mo, Prame Carnot, Deb Harrison, all together in one quick study guide that will definitely take your game to the next level. You get that and you get a whole lot more by being a member of PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence and you can join for free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. Don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address and we'll send that quick study guide right out to you along with some money-saving deals and a whole lot more. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.